trust me when I say that when you put on that leg, it's just like, it's like having his leg back. It's like amazing. How does a custom rear limb prosthetic help tripod husky Boris love life on three legs? Find out from Tara and Orthopets founder Martin Kaufman on this episode of Tripod Talk Radio. For any tripod, cat or dog. Why do some vets do things that way? So many people don't realize that their dogs are in pain. Welcome back to Tripod Talk Radio, episode number 113. We're excited to continue our discussion about prosthetics for amputee pets with OrthoPets founder, Martin Kaufman. We now have Tara Eichenberger with us to provide a pet parent perspective on prosthetics for tripods. Her husky, Boris, is a happy canine customer loving life on three legs with help from a custom-made rear limb prosthesis made by OrthoPets. Tara and Boris are joining us from Dubai in the United Arab Emirates, proving that Orthopets is a world leader in veterinary orthotic devices. Be sure to catch episode number 112, where we talk in more detail about the latest developments in pet prosthetics, and we look forward to hearing about Boris and how his is working out. So thank you both once again for joining us. Pleasure to be here. Pleasure to be here too. So... Tara, tell us about Boris, because I honestly, I don't even know the backstory on him. Um, tell us a little bit about how he joined your family and, and the reason for his amputation. Okay, so Boris is a husky. He is now almost two years old. He joined our family because we already had his brother. So his brother is Igor. And um, the place where we got Igor from, we sort of visited again after a while and we saw that they still had Boris. And then my mom was basically looking at him and she's like, oh my God, he's so cute and he looks so lonely and he's so sad. We can't just eat him here. So we took him home, right? So yeah, that's sort of how we got him. And then the reason he lost his leg or how he lost his leg is because we had six huskies at the time and Boris and one of our other huskies who hasn't since then passed away got into a fight and then we try to separate them and when we separate them when we separated them Boris hit his leg against like the edge of a wall and it was such a dumb accident because what the vet told us afterwards if you would have just hit it a little bit at a different place you would still have his leg but it hit him right in the artery, and we didn't know that at the time. So we thought, okay, it's just a bruise because, you know, dogs get into fights and then they have bruises and then they heal and then you move on and they're fine and they're jumping around and they're going crazy again. And we thought that, that was sort of the same thing with Boris. It's just like, okay, it'll just, you know, he'll be fine. And he was fine at the beginning, so he would walk on the leg and everything. But then, sort of the next day, he started getting really sort of like quiet and wouldn't really eat anymore and he just lay which was such an unworst thing to do because Boris is loud and he walks around and like moves constantly so then we went to the vet and then yeah sadly the vet told us that it hit his artery right there and they had to amputate the leg and then at first they wanted to amputate the whole leg and then we sort of started saying okay but isn't there a possibility that he could get a prosthetic because we sort of know it from humans, right? So we sort of searched it up and then 
we didn't actually find anything at the beginning, but we're like, okay, we're not giving up. And then we saw orthopeds where like their website and everything and thought, okay, we'd get in touch and say, okay, we have a husky and you know, he's about to amputate his leg. And uh, could you do anything about it? And while that was going on, we were sort of talking to the vet because he's like, I need to do the surgery. And we were like, okay, but can you amputate as little as possible? He was like, I have to see. So he did an x-ray and he had a look and he was like, okay, I can amputate it just below the knee. And that is sort of the amputation he has now. And then, yeah, with orthopeds, with orthopeds, sort of the rest happened. They were like, they sent the kit, the impression kit, and the vet did it for us. And then they sent the prosthetic. And yeah, that's sort of how Boris has his prosthetic. And at the beginning, it was like, until we had prosthetic, he got used to just hopping around on three legs. And um, so at the beginning, it was sort of getting him used to walking with four legs again. And he'd hop around and he'd just sort of drag his prosthetic leg along with him. But then, like, we started to put it on more and he realized, oh, okay, I can walk on that leg. I can stand up again. I can jump. And the good thing is we had other Huskies at the time, and so he wanted to play. And sometimes, you know, when they're playing, he sort of forgets that it's a prosthetic. And then he just started using it, like, oh, yeah, yeah, look, now I can stand. Now I can, like, fight and play with others. And then sort of just snap, and then he just walked with it constantly. And, yeah, now he's even running with it. So it's still a little bit of a getting used to, so he still sort of pops and then runs and then hops and then runs but he's getting better so real quick were you in dubai at the time throughout this whole process yes we were in dubai the whole time so martin you'll work with veterinarians anywhere in the world yeah absolutely the uh the distance and the location uh is is not uh, a constraint in any way and then Tara, um, you mentioned kind of the, the trial and error, you know, immediately after you used the prosthetic. Was there a certain time period where you were doing certain rehab and training to get him used to it? Because I look at him now and he's got a natural gait of a dog walking around. I don't see that normal hop that I saw in our dog, Wyatt. Yeah, the first week was really difficult. So the first week was really like, okay show him that he has his legs so we'd move the prosthetic along with him when he'd walk and then sort of lift one front paw put it down lift the other front paw and then sort of once at the end of that week when we sort of saw okay he trusted his prosthetic a little we lifted the leg he still had and then he had to stand on that prosthetic leg and at first he didn't he didn't like it at all he was like no i'm not gonna stand right <laughs> Yeah, sort of he got used to it. And the second week was sort of when he slowly started to walk with it. So he'd walk a little bit and then hop and then walk a little bit and then hop. And then sort of the third week was just, I don't know, just happened that he'd just walk consistently with it. But then the problem was he sort of got stuck in all the furniture. So he'd run around and then he'd lose his leg in the furniture and then he'd come back with his leg dangling along with him. He's like, help. Right, but now he's gotten pretty good, so he can like sort of maneuver around the stuff and remember to tuck it in when he needs to. So this does take some time, effort, and training, and the pet parent needs to be really involved. This is not a magic bullet. You're not going to attach a device and they're going to go run and play fly ball, which no tripod should ever do <laughs> anyway. Now that wasn't the case for Boris. He understood what he had to do relatively quickly, but he still had to learn it and sort of 
readapt themselves to using it. It's also that sort of change when you take it off, because sometimes you have to take it off. And then he's like, okay, and then he hops around. And then you put it back on, and then he's like, okay, I can still hop, but I have a leg. Okay, now no more hopping, now walking. So, yeah. I love the way you get into his mind. You know him so well. Um, I'm curious. I want to. I want to back up a little bit. Um, what was the length of time between when the vet told you that the leg needed to be amputated to the time the actual surgery took place? It was. It was less than a day. It was less than half a day. I don't know. Wow. Um, but yeah, it was sort of. He told us in the afternoon, and then. We're like, uh, and then, yeah, we sort of spent the afternoon, the night looking it up. And we're like, okay, prosthetic, possible, neat, little surgery. Told them like the morning and he was like, okay. And then he sort of did it. So this took some quick thinking. So for anyone listening, if you do have the luxury of time, do your homework, listen to some podcasts here and, you know, ask those questions of the vet. Yeah, definitely. Like, because most vets won't tell you at the beginning that you need that you have the possibility of a prosthetic just they'll just tell you okay you need to amputate it and then you sort of have to go out on yourself by yourself and go like oh okay there is a possibility and then if you tell the vet look there's a possibility they'll go like okay there's a possibility and this is what we can do sort of that's at least how it is in Dubai. No, it, it's like that here too. Um, now had that veterinarian ever worked with a prosthetics manufacturer before? He actually did. So he worked with orthopeds as well for a dog, but he was a small one and he lost the, uh, his front limb part of it, at least. So interestingly enough, so that veterinarian was still going to just do the full amputation just like yeah. that on the fly. Martin, do you see that happen a lot? Uh, yeah. I do in, in the, uh, oh, go ahead. The uh, Boris, who you're seeing today, uh, represents one of the most challenging prosthetic cases that you could possibly come up with, given the level of amputation and the challenges of that device. <clears throat> we think it's looking pretty normal and simple, but when you actually see the background, a veterinarian who has some experience with very low-level amputees and prosthetics would look at a Boris case and, and would not be able to conceptualize that it is also a prosthetic candidate. So we're back to that research that we've published to add that level of certainty and in this case, opportunity or possibility. Yeah, and like you, our goal is to get the information to veterinarians. I mean, veterinarians really are Tripod's audience because we want them to be aware of, of these kinds of scenarios. So um, we appreciate you, all you're doing to get out there and, and get the education out. Um, and then I was curious, Martin, is there an, any time when it's too late to do a prosthetic on a tripod? Because Tara had mentioned how, um, you know, it, he started to get used to walking on three legs. So can you take a six-year-old tripod who's been one all, all their life and put a prosthetic on and achieve success? Assuming they have. Yeah, assuming they have a, a, rem a remaining limb. Yep, and the same, yeah, so a couple of answers here. Uh, we call it productive struggling. Hmm. When you first get your device and you're trying to figure it out and nobody told you why this thing is on your body to, to, to even start, but productive struggling. So really what we're gonna say is, 
whether you are a tripod from amputation six years ago, or you were born with, uh, as we were joking earlier, the flipper. If you're born missing parts, either way, uh, with rehabilitation therapy, sports medicine, prosthetics, uh, it's the cliche, but all things are possible. And the question really is, how long is it going to take you to learn? So the things that come to mind are, you know, time, cost, and effort involved in rehab and training. Are these the primary roadblocks to educating the pet parent being willing to proceed with prosthetics? Uh, so if we put the, the cost piece uh, on the front, uh, once we've uh, experienced what the costs uh, both the device, but also surgery. When we understand that, and if that's a feasibility, uh, then we move on to, uh, this is now uh, in running terms, this is the third shoe for you. It's a, it's a thing that you maintenance, and it's a thing that you work with on a daily basis. So, um, you know, there, there is a time commitment. Uh, I'm sure as Tara can tell us, there's it's not that you uh, just toss it on and then forget about it. You're invested in the quality of life of your pet. Um, Tara, can you give us a, like a day in the life of Boris from the time he wakes up to the time he goes to bed? How involved are you in, in the device? And discuss the quality of life that mm -hmm. Martin just mentioned. You know, yeah. how is the device helping that? So basically, in the so during, when he sleeps, he takes it off so he doesn't wear it. In the back, he doesn't wear it. And then in the morning, he will usually put it on, and then he'll run around and walk and stuff, you know, do his prosthetic voice-like stuff. And then sort of at lunchtime, we sort of take it off. So it'll just when he's tired, we take it off because he doesn't particularly like sleeping with it. So he gets sort of because he can't really lay on it. He can lay on it. He just sort of pushes into his back. He doesn't sleep well when he does that. So we take it off and then he sleeps a little, you know, and then we just sort of leave it off, leave it off until the afternoon. And then the afternoon, early afternoon until the entire evening, he puts it back on and he'll just run, play and do his normal stuff. So we put it on a lot, but when he sleeps, we take it off because, yeah, he doesn't like it. Yeah, and that's the same for, for human amputees. Um, how much time does it actually take you to, to put it on him? That depends entirely on Boris. Because yeah. three times when he's super cooperative and it goes like a minute and it's on you, you're like, off you go. And there's times when he's like, no, I don't really want to put it on. I'd rather play. I have other things to do. And then you're like, he kind of moves around and you have to chase after him with the percent. Like, Here, put it on, please. Or I'll just sort of pull his leg and he's like, no, I'm not giving it to you. And then you can't put it in. And you're just like, I'll give you a treat if you, pull, if you push it down. And he's like, no. And he's like, here's a treat. And then I'll just walk off. And yeah, so it entirely depends on how Boris is feeling. <laughs> so, it, oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying, unlike, you know, certain human prosthetics, it's not just a socket and you put it on. There's certain you know, mechanics with a dog that require some strapping and harnessing to keep it in place when they're Well, it's motion. like that with humans too, but you're you're more about being in tune with, with Boris and his psychological needs at the time to put it on. It's, you know, you have to follow his lead. Yeah, it is. It's really like that. It's also sort of understanding him and understanding how he deals with the prosthetic and like what hurts 
when does it hurt, like what, what makes it feel uncomfortable, is because it goes over his back and to part of his other leg, so his other leg is involved as well. You have to make sure not to like, yeah, make it too tight or that his fur is stuck in something that he doesn't like, because then I'll just stand there like this, and, like, <laughs> and then you're just like, okay, something's wrong, and then you need to get off, and you put it back on. Looking yeah. up right now. <laughs> now, you, you're so well-versed in, in the process now. How did you learn how to do this? The beginning was really difficult. Not really, because there is a pamphlet, so they show you how to put it on in pictures, right? Which is wonderful. But that would only work if the dog was cooperating, right? So cooperate, and we're like, okay, but he has to put his leg down, and this has to go in there. And then it's like, right? So it was a struggle. So in the beginning, like, three people had to stand around him to just, like, strap each part to him so and hold him and like treats and like everything and now it's just like one person does it you grab Boris put it on his leg and then off he goes and that's yeah so that's it's practice really and for the quality of life for Boris does this device allow you to go on longer walks or allow him to go free play more frequently or, or longer yeah it does so he can walk just as long as the other huskies we have, we have all legs, and he can play with the others, especially when he has that prosthetic on, because we have we have a girl, and she loves to stand on on the other ones, and that's her form of playing. And mm -hmm. when he have his leg, he'd sort of always fall down sure. to get an advantage. But now with his leg, he's like, no, I can stand. I'm gonna play with you. So it's really yes, it's amazing for him. Yeah, we, we used to see Wyatt, uh, his rear leg, remaining rear leg would buckle if, a, if he was playing hard and a dog stood on him like that. Um, Martin, what is the, the ideal frame of mind for a human, uh, a pet parent who is, is thinking about this? Because Tara seems like she's really just motivated to make this thing happen and, and get Boris to accept the prosthetic um, with a lot of patience. But what, how would you describe the ideal pet parent candidate? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, I'll, I'll maybe answer uh, this as what we were just discussing. Uh, Boris is doing things with his friends and play uh, for quality of life, but it also means that we are thinking long term. We're thinking about the accumulation of effects. And I think that's the motivation for us as pet parents. Uh, when we are in the uh, when we have the privilege to make a decision for prosthetics because it allows us to. The ideal pet parent is someone who, who is active with their pet or likes their pet to remain active and is looking to make a positive and long-term quality of life impact. And I think that really speaks to, to the individual. Uh, there's probably some technical things like you're not overly concerned about pulling straps through a buckle um, or you feel comfortable uh, holding a limb uh, that has been uh, partially amputated. You know, there's some things here that, that might show up for the individual pet parent, but you're vested in comfort and function. And if that's you as a pet parent, and that's what you want for your pet, uh, prosthetics is just an exciting way that you get to do it every single day. You get to be the one to administer this healthcare. You know, you get to be the doc, if you will, uh, to do this for your pet. I think that the long-term 
benefits of the prosthetic are, are the important message I'm taking away there is like the, the compensatory issues that are resolved without one are addressed by the prosthetic. But one thing I hear on social media all too often is the, you know, the tripod owners out there who say he'll be fine. Oh, he doesn't need a prosthetic. He'll amaze you, that sort of thing. So, so I'd like to hear, you know, the feedback from both of you, but Tara, what would you tell um, people out there um, who are providing advice to people questioning prosthetics that just say, oh, he doesn't need it, he'll be fine. Yeah, I, I understand them because sort of a couple of weeks ago, Buddhists started to be able to stand without his prosthetic as well. So he'd be able to stand on stuff that was higher than him and he started to adapt better at just not having that leg. And you look at him, you're like, oh, whatever, it's fine. You know, he's doing stuff that he likes to do and he's, he's happy. But then you sort of compare it to when he's wearing his prosthetic and it's just like it gives him that extra security, that extra ability, stability to do things. And I always say like, yeah, I understand your dog, okay, has three legs, he's doing well, and Boris is doing well too, but trust me when I say that when you put on that leg, it's just like, it's like having his leg back. It's like amazing. It's like they will not think, oh, you know, it's not part of me. I'm just putting it on. They'll literally think, oh, look, my leg is back. I'm excited about this. So, yeah. And Martin, would you say the long-term benefits are most important? Or what would you tell those people to say, oh, he doesn't need it. He'll be fine. Yeah. So I like to live without compromise in my personal life. I bring that same passion to what we do here. Uh, our dogs and cats, they've been designed for four legs. So if we don't have to compromise on that, that's prosthetics, that's comfort and function. So we can't negotiate that. We're designed to have four legs. So if we can't, then our goal should be, in my opinion, to restore and not compromise and return to four legs. Uh, and I think Tara and Boris are great examples of just the truth in that. We can't, can't negotiate that topic. Now, for our pet parents who have to make the really hard choices of full limb amputations, you know, there's a whole nother talk on now we're compromising and how do we reduce the impact in the long term because we can't escape that. Gravity on earth doesn't change. <laughs> Thermodynamics are present. So there is an accumulation of cost. So how do we adjust and take away freedom and function because of the consequences that are accumulating over time. In prosthetics, we don't compromise there so we can enjoy the long-term success of comfort and function. Well said. Well said. I, I would say that, um, you know, around the tripods community, we like to say, be more dog, be like our dogs and live in the now. But when it comes to function as tripod parents, we have to think in the long term. Mm -hmm. We have to, because if somebody had told me how much osteoarthritis would affect our Wyatt's life in the end, um, yeah. we would have done things a lot differently. So thanks to you and, and the forward-thinking orthopedic vets that are out there um, and, and general practice vets who are now discovering the benefits of prosthetics. Um, Three-legged three dogs and cats' lives are getting better and better all the time. So thank you for what you're doing, Tara. Thank you for being a great example to uh, people who are in this situation where they have to decide. Uh, we plan on sharing your experience all over the place. And we do have some video and great photos that we will uh, build into this talk and share with the community. Thank you for sharing those with us. Perfect.
Thank you for having us. Me and sometimes boys. <laughs> we encourage everyone to go to orthopets.com or visit at orthopets anywhere in social media or tripods.com slash tag slash orthopets for all of our previous discussions with Martin. And we look forward to sharing new developments as they arise. So thanks again, both for joining us. For more examples and information about prosthetics for tripods, visit tripods.com slash tag slash prosthetics. And don't miss Tripod Talk Radio episode number 112 for complete details about custom orthotic devices for pets from Orthopets founder Martin Kaufman. He's a three-legged dog and he's still pretty good. Thank you for tuning in. Subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for more pet amputation tips from experts. And claim your free gift just for listeners at downloads.tripods.com slash podcast. Try.